On today's episode of Random Films I Try to Expose My Wife To, we're going to talk about Noises Off. Now, for some who may not be uh, old enough or maybe weren't exposed to this when they were younger, the film is from 1992. It's based on a play that was written in London, but this is the only film adaptation of the play. And the play was written, I think, in the early 80s or something. Now, I don't know much about the play in and of itself, except for the fact that it's essentially what the movie is meant to be about. And from what I read about the author when researching what I want to talk about here, I read that he had actually written a couple of plays, and there was this thing that being in the background, in the backstage area of a play that was being put out into the public, there's a lot of funny things that happen in the background that the people who are in the audience don't see because professionally, you know, that's just not what happens. It's almost like the blooper reel is what he was seeing before the blooper reel was a thing. So he decided to write a play that was kind of about that. It's kind of this fourth wall breaking in the theater world. And it became the play called Noises Off, which they turned into a film. Now, This film has a tremendous cast. When I say a tremendous cast, I mean tremendous. Michael Caine plays the director. Everybody should know that name when I say it. He played Alfred in the Batman films. He was in uh, uh, Dress to Kill for for a horror movie. So many things Michael Caine has done that I can name that I just kind of drawn a blank right now. But everybody knows Michael Caine. Then there's Carol Burnett. The first thing I think of when I think Carol Burnett, I think uh, Little Orphan Annie. If you've ever seen the play, uh, the musical film adaptation, she plays um, Miss Hannigan. Uh, That's Carol Burnett. It's got uh, Denholm Elliott, for those who may not know that name. He's actually the partner to Indiana Jones during the Indiana Jones films. Then it's got the late John Ritter in it. And John Ritter by itself is just a tremendous actor to have for a film like that at that point in time, you know, early 90s. It's also got Christopher Reeve. I think this is after Superman 2, so he was really trying to break out of that Superman light, and he did this film, and he does tremendous in it. Then it's also got uh, Nicola Sheridan, and for those who may not know that name, like, right off the top of their head, uh, she was in the Beverly Hills Ninja, which is one of the few films that uh, Chris Farley ever did. She's also done the voices, uh, she's done a lot of voice acting for, like, um, I think she plays Jane, I think, I'm not sure, but she's in, like, Tarzan and Jane, the, uh, one of the films from the early 2000s, as well as, um, another Disney role, I believe, or voice acting role. She's, she's done a lot more voice acting in, like, the early and late 2000s than she did in the 90s, where it was more of her in face-to-face acting, I guess I could say, in comparison to voice acting. But it's got Nicola Sheridan. It's also got um, Julia Haggerty, who like, the most recent film I can think of to relate Julia Haggerty to you is she plays one of the grandmothers in the Insta Family film, and that to me is one like one of my favorite films of the last couple of years. So, you know, she's in there. She let, let's go back into the '90s. What might you know? I think if you've ever seen What About Bob, I believe she's the mother in What About Bob. Um, in that film, if you've ever seen Freddy Got Fingered, you know, the Tom Green film, pretty sure she's the mother in that film as well. Like, she she plays a lot of motherly roles, and in this film, she's kind of a stagehand, and I think she does great with it, at least in my opinion. So it's got Juliet Haggerty, uh, not Juliet, Julia Haggerty, I'm sorry, 
And then it's also got Mark Lynn Baker. And for those who don't know who Mark, Mark Lynn Baker is, really don't know a lot of their television history from the 80s because he had... Uh, this is one of the actors who was huge with a long-running, I think like 10-season show called Perfect Strangers, which was him and... Um, what's this actor's name? Bulky something. I can never remember or think of how to pronounce his last name, but that that movie about, like, these two foreigners... Not movie. That show about those two foreigners who kind of try to live in, like, uh, Los Angeles or something in the late 80s, early 90s. That huge freaking show. Huge show. So if you know what Perfect Stranger is, you know who Mark Lynn Baker is, and he's in, no he's in Noises Off too. So you're talking a tremendous, you know, acting group here like everybody there's there's no real side characters everybody has a role to play in some way shape or form that's very much right in front you know what i mean so the film essentially is about this director who's trying to put on this play and he's trying to get these uh various personalities together in the actors that are playing the roles in the play that he's putting on and, you know, they try to get it together the first, so the, let's say the movie's split in thirds. So the first third of the film is all him doing the director stuff before opening night. And it's all it's them going through like a, a dress rehearsal and g getting the motions and understanding character concepts and, you know, going through understanding who they are as characters. So the first third of the film is character building. The second part of the film, the 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 middle the the, the middle third, is the f two two states I think because I guess there's this thing where when you're when you're doing a play like this you go on the road and you do it in various states. So I believe the first state that it takes place in is Chicago, and then they're meant to go all the way to Cleveland, and so. The second part, I believe, takes place in Miami, and that's like six weeks before Cleveland or something, or six performances before Cleveland or whatever. So they're in Miami, and they, of course, have to deal with their own personalities. So the first third of the film is everything happening in, you know, the audience. We don't go backstage. The middle part, everything's backstage. You only go front to see what they bring from backstage out to the front. So everything that's going on in that middle part of the film is all the crazy stuff that they're dealing with when being on the road for so long. And there's there's love triangles and there's hatred towards people. And they realize that they, they signed up for this, so they still have to go out and perform together. And they're like throwing things at each other and trying to beat each other up and getting in each other's faces. So the first third is kind of that. And then the last portion of the film is now going back to the audience perspective. So from that second part where things have gotten really out of control, the third part goes even above and beyond going completely out of control and takes it up a notch by them completely ruining the entire play because they can't get their act together. They're really like not getting along well enough to the point where they're bringing all the backstage drama out to the front. And you learn what the actual first act is meant to look like. 
And when they ruin it, it's just, it's even funnier to me because all of the mistakes they're making is just, it's hilarious to see unfold. And when they have to kind of make up things on the spot because (laughs) shit's not going the right way because none of them are doing the right thing. They're missing cues. They're breaking the set apart. (laughs) There's one scene at the very beginning of the third act where, one of the one of the actors is trying to go out on the stage for her cue, and she gets kicked and tumbles on the floor in front of the audience. And they kind of like you can hear half of the audience kind of gasp, but then the other half start laughing. So it's it's like imagining being in the middle of, let's say, Wicked, you know, or or Les Miserables. You know, think of some play that you see on Broadway or something. Imagine being in the middle of that play, and then all of a sudden, somebody just comes out and starts going off script from what you believe the play is meant to do, and it's not what you're expecting as an audience member, and you're still kind of like, okay, this is kind of funny, but I don't think this is supposed to be the play. And it's just, the antics are just really funny, and it's really typical early 90s comedy, but it's one of my favorite comedies growing up. I loved this movie as a kid, and the reason I wanted to talk about it really was because, like I said at the beginning, I exposed my wife to it, and she hates it. She said there's only one part that she finds funny, but she she thought the entire movie was so boring, and I'm just so heartbroken by that because I truly love this film. I mentioned in another entry about my love for um, the film From Dust Till Dawn. That's also a 90s film that I grew up on. And they're only like three or four years apart from each other. But like, she hates Noises Off. And I hold Noises Off to my heart. Like, I hold a film like From Dust Till Dawn. Like, this is one of my favorite films as a kid. And I still love it to this day. I wa- I had no problem watching it again. I hadn't watched it in a couple of years. It, it's one of the films I have in my collection. I will always praise it. I will always say it's probably one of the best portrayals of this, uh, the, the, the concept of stage acting in the realm that it's in. You know what I'm saying? And, of course, it has its little over-exaggerated moments, but what movie doesn't? It's also supposed to be, you know, satire. It's meant to kind of make fun of the of the scenarios that plays and actors, stage actors, it's meant to make fun of what they go through. And I think it tells that story very, very, very well. From being a person who loved theater when I was in, you know, uh, high school, I just, I love that idea of bringing everything that happens in the background right up into the stage and let everybody see what's going on. Let everybody see what's happening. I thought it, I thought it was great. It's again, it's old. It's 30 years old. Almost. If you've never seen this film, I really, really recommend it. If you're looking for a good laugh, I think it's hilarious, especially when you're talking about two really big actors that are no longer with us, Christopher Reeve and John Ritter. If you just miss them and you've never actually heard of this film, and you were like a big Superman fan, or maybe even a big Problem Child fan, give this film a chance because it's it's just, it's pure John Ritter, it's uncanny Christopher Reeve, and Michael Caine is great in it, Carol Burnett is great in it, all these actors are just great in every role that they have in this film. And it gets my full recommendation. Um, I don't know what it's like rated or anything. I believe if I went to like the Rotten Tomatoes uh, site. I believe it has like a, 
60% or something, which, you know, isn't bad. It's kind of common. You know, I'm not saying that this movie needs to win any Oscars, but it does need to be recognized for how good of a film it is. And that's why I wanted to talk about it, because I, I got really upset when my wife said that she hated it. So I felt I needed to set the record straight. Babe, I hope you're listening to this. <laughs> 